movie podcast for A Quiet Place. What? My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Molosky. I'd like to be known as Nam the Sand Gorkin. And with A Quiet Place tagline, Kelly Wand. Krasinski's dialogue has never been better. Oh, poor guy. That's rude. That's kidding. <laughs> what are you having against the office and Jerry Bay movies? Michael Bay movies. <laughs> Jerry Bay. <laughs> Jerry Bay is his brother who could never get any work. <laughs> He's the John Murray of the Krasinskis. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you have any other taglines for uh, A Quiet Place? Like we needed more reasons to have mute kids. Okay, number three. <laughs> Finally, a movie that taps into monsters' fears of hearing aids. Come Jerry on, that one's Bay. awesome. Jerry Bay reminds me of uh, Jerry Van Dyke. I don't know who that is. That's the guy he's who was the, in Mary Poppins. Is the chimney? He's the Jim Belushi of the Van Dykes. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's all right, the Frank Stallone of the. Um, so I cut Kelly a, off. Did, did you Kelly? Think, did you have more of them? Yeah, I got one more. He's. The, do you think there's another Cameron brother? And Kurt Cameron's actually the Alec of the Camerons, and there's like lamer Kurt Cameron's. I have no yeah. idea. I'm going to say no. Dingus said Back yes. To quiet That's place. Right. Cameron Crow. That's important. <laughs> That's only how Chinese names work, Dingus. <laughs> so was there a fourth? A uh, quiet place tagline. The 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 public demands to know Kelly Wand. Uh, yeah, he's the Zeppo of the Trump kids. Wait, what? No, there is one. Oh, that's okay. my way to say no. All right. Well, in that case, Dingus, don't spoil it's anything. Start. There might be people who started listening and who haven't seen the movie yet and are wondering what's what's a quiet place. Yeah, don't spoil. Don't spoil it for them. Just give them some basics, Dingus. All right. This week we saw a quiet place. Mm-hmm. A 2018 American horror science fiction movie about the sound of silence. It was directed by John Krasinski and written by him with Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Uh, it it uh, stars Emily Blunt, yeah. John Krasinski, Millicent Simons, or Simmons probably is a better way to say it, Noah Jupe, and Cade Woodward. A Quiet Place is rated PG-13 for terror and some bloody <laughs> images. Terror. Now, Kelly Wand, I know you're not a fan of PG-13 movies, but if you were put in charge of warning parents about why this is PG-13 and not R and not PG, what else would you tell them? I would rate it G for some shouting, <laughs> improper use of a grain silo, Deaf kids deliberately trolling hungry animals and shoplifting and vandalizing a pharmacy. <laughs> Good. You have your values straight there. It's nice that you. But know. I'm not a parent, so. Improper More use obvious. Of grain silo. I love that. Uh, a Quiet Place had a huge opening. It, it is. Uh, Paramount's got to be absolutely delighted. It's a, one of those hugely successful, unseen openings that uh it's going to be a career changer probably for for john krasinski yeah um he uh it it, it opened with, with 50 million dollars and it beat ready player one's second weekend amazing uh, 
even its second weekend, it almost beat Rampage, the, the Dwayne Johnson vehicle. Wow. Uh, so it's doing very well. Uh, it is at 82 on Metacritic. It's the average rating from various reviews. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive for A Quiet Place are 95. And on, on CinemaScore, the kind of people who get pulled by CinemaScore, they were like, well, it wasn't as good as Rampage. I gave Rampage an A-, minus, but I give A Quiet Place uh, a B+. Plus. That was their assessment. <laughs> So nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference, Kelly Wand. A B plus and an A minus are very, very different things. Give it a high five or a low six. <laughs> idiots. Kelly Wand, speaking of idiots giving things to a quiet place. Yes. Rude of me. That's it's my... terribly rude. I apologize. You're no idiot. What? But I would like you to give something to a quiet place, and I would like it to be a synopsis, and I would like for it to be called... The Quietopsis Place Piss. Uh, you just don't know how to do things. I really don't. I do not. You're right. Why don't you well, adopt your gamer mind to this problem? I need your help, Kelly Wan. I can't do it without you. I don't know what to call these synopses without you correcting me. Also, I think it's a presumptuous of you to not call me an idiot until you've heard the opsis. Okay. I will withhold judgment. Thank you. Very good. You may want to eat those words. Okay. A quiet plapsis. Some words are all day 69. Krasinski, Blunt, and their three kids wearing hats raid a pharmacy for weed pills and also something for the parents. Their slow kid eats some chalk, then uses the rest to draw a rocket ship on the floor of the pharmacy. Thankfully, writing in chalk doesn't make noise after a little Foley work. The kid points at the rocket and in sign language is all, Rocket, that's what we'll use to leave this planet. His sister, a girl with eyebrows, looks at him pityingly, as if to say, Seriously? Was I this dumb when I was three? The kid, still unsatisfied, yawns and wanders off to the pharmacy's implausibly unlooted spaceship aisle, then comes back with a space shuttle toy. In sign language, Krasinski's all, Jesus, why'd I let her talk me into having a third one? I mean, here, let me take the batteries out. Uh-huh. And just leave them right here within your reach, and also the spaceship within reach. <laughs> hey, kid, if we make noise, we die. Any questions? I'm not taking questions, by the way. That's all in sign language, <laughs> which I learned for the movie. That's how I know all this. I ignored the subtitles and translated on my own. You're welcome, deaf. On their way out of the drugstore... <laughs> proper down on their way out of the drugstore eyebrow girl affectionately bats the slow kid in the face hands him the rocket and in sign language is all here dad's an asshole but shh. <laughs> if he sees you playing with it i want him to assume that keeping it was your idea so when one of us goes down good luck she turns around while the slow kid swipes the batteries they left for him to swipe they all walk <laughs> Damn you, Krasinski. They all walk 10 miles. It's hard to be careful, you know. Can't make noise. Can't leave batteries near kids. Ugh. They all walk 10 miles to a bridge while the slow kid brings up the rear and for 10 miles tries to figure out how to insert batteries into some. <laughs> Finally, he does. And his space shuttle toy starts making beeping noises, just like the real space shuttle. <laughs> Oh, 
Elon Musk doesn't forget anything. The other family members all stop and stare in horror and irritation. Krasinski rolls his eyes and runs back to go punish the kid. But unfortunately, he's in slow motion and the monsters are off screen. No contest. Some CG snatches the kid and takes off for the woods, giggling. Krasinski makes his gym face at us. (laughs) Beside me, Dingus stands up, pumps his fist, and scrapes his palm with his other hand. A subtitle's all. Nice. The only word he knows in any language. Some words are all a quiet plapsis. They make a great. That was the Bond opening for the pop. Some words are all quiet plapsis. They make a grave site for the kid right there on the bridge, using the spaceship as a tombstone. As they walk home in sign language, Emily blunts all. Oh well, at least we got our drugs. Eyebrow girl signs. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I forgot everything except the slow kid's riddle, and they all make gym faces at us. Some birds wheeling high above them are all, ha ha, we're making noise. <laughs> the virtue, see, they have hollow bones and they kind of won the planet. Some words are all, day 6969. Krasinski gets fed up with his family and hangs out in the basement with his TVs. <laughs> he has some cool post-it notes stuck on a whiteboard. One's all... One's all. Number of confirmed family members spotted locally. Three. (laughs) The three's above a crossed out four. Oh, oh, oh. He doesn't listen. He's deaf. Oh, wait, no, he's not. He probably does listen. Another of his notes is sort of more like a reminder. It just says survive. Another one's all, get refrigerator magnets. Out in the yard, the remaining son, a jittery 12-year-old, pretends he's driving a car, just like his favorite movie characters, the LOL guys in Ready Player One. The movie that made the quiet places, as the monsters are called, attack Earth. Krasinski makes a fire and burns some garbage morosely, then washes his beard. Some words are all day 69, 69, 69. Although card games are probably quieter, the kids play Monopoly by rolling dice made out of cotton balls and using their old gum as playing pieces. Eyebrow Girl loses as usual, so she angrily starts a fire by knocking over a lantern. (laughs) Bitchy little kid. They hear a monster on the roof, but it turns out to just be a raccoon who's also a Monopoly enthusiast. Krasinski sighs, rolls his eyes, puts out the fire, then storms off to his basement quietly to try plugging in his new headset correctly. Hours later, he shakes Blunt awake and makes her start dancing with him. (laughs) Since he's the man, Krasinski monopolizes the earbud so only he can hear the country music, even though she's the country fan. See? Monopoly again. After they dance for a few minutes, he smiles sheepishly and holds his nose. She winces in sign languages, and I thought your farts were fatal before the apocalypse. He sign languages. Speaking of which, I think now's the perfect time to have a new baby who will be crying constantly. We can call him Space Shuttle Kid 2. (laughs) Jeez. What? (laughs) 
Too harsh. Too soon. Yeah. Jesus. Or Kelly, if it's a girl. Some words are all day 70. Eyebrow girl wants to go down to the cellar. But Krasinski's all, nah. Daddy's clubhouse is for annoying girls, except mommy. He drags her off to a neighbor's house, then stops her in the driveway and goes, Oh, yeah, here, I made you some special headphones. They'll either help you hear or emit piercing, horrifying feedback that'll make you want to stab an ice pick in your eye. I haven't really <laughs> tested it. Good luck. <laughs> I'm not an engineer. Speaking of which, have you tried listening with your other ear? JK, here, put them on. Come on. Daddy had to dance a long time with mommy to make these. <laughs> put them in. <laughs> he keeps trying to force them into her ears, but she keeps slapping them away grouchily in sign language. Dad, enough already. Sound is stupid. I'm with the monsters on this one. As they walk inside the house to his male kid, Krasinski's all, Hey, Connor, ready for your waterfall <laughs> lesson? <laughs> really? <laughs> thing is it's an honor I'm honoring you and you can't say honor without saying Connor yeah almost the kid gulps sobs and runs hiding under a sofa he crazy glues himself to Blunt's leg in sign languages please don't make me hang out with dad anymore <laughs> see if you just change the subtitles you could just do my movie my version of it like it's just it's only blunt rolls her eyes and sign languages come on mommy needs some quiet time don't worry it'll be great your dad's really careful about everything except for contraception and hopefully nails krasinski drags frady kid to a gurgling burbling stream krasinski trips and falls into the stream cursing then opens a big wicker basket where he keeps his pet fish <laughs> He's a weird character. Is what? He takes it out and puts it on a rock where it flounders and gasps. Cotter's eyes and pants bulge with terror, and he starts to run, but Krasinski's all, ah, ah, ah. Lesson one, fish don't make noise when they die. Pfft, idiots. Also, lesson two, fish can't breathe when you take them out of water. Just a heads up. They leave the baffled, annoyed fish there on the rock, and Krasinski takes his kid halfway up the waterfall and makes him hang out beside it. See? The waterfall's so loud, the monsters can't hear us, and you can't hear me. But they can't hear us, too. So, thereby begging the question, why didn't we just move to Niagara? I don't really have a good answer, son character. Get off my ass. Live by a waterfall, idiot. Speaking of which, check this out. Oh, huh? See, I sound nothing like a waterfall. Now you try it. The kid's all, Dad, can we please just go home? I get it. You like yelling. Also, my feet are bleeding since you made us walk way up here over these slippery rocks. I want to go home. On their way home, they walk by a house with an old lady sleeping in a hole in the hunt. <laughs> A stinky old man stands nearby still. <laughs> Guess it's his eulogy, which they interrupted. Krasinski sign languages. Congratulations, old timer. You and this dead woman look as if you were ill-suited. Uh, what are you doing to your chin there? Tucking it in? That's weird, bro. Oh, fuck, I get it. You're getting ready to scream. Uh, look, I got my innocent 12-year-old son here, see, in view. 
Could you maybe hold off on that till he and I are out of dying range? You wouldn't want us to die, too, unless you think we're annoying. The old man yells till an irritated monster shows up and kills him. Krasinski is interest in the elderly and resumes their trek homeward. Meanwhile, Blunt celebrates her water breaking by doing some laundry. <laughs> on her way up the cellar stairs, her laundry bag snags on something on one of the stairs. In sign language, she's all, what the fuck, bag? She jerks on the bag a few times before it finally pulls free. In sign language, she's all, I have half a mind to turn around and see what caused that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want the laundry to be late. Meanwhile, eyebrow girl storms angrily on tiptoes across the bridge. In sign language, she's all, stupid waterfall chips are just for boys. Here, eyebrows, you stay here and watch mom do laundry, but through a closed door, you're not allowed in the cellar either. (laughs) Fucking gym face making. She finally reaches her brother's grave, which is surprisingly well-maintained by the monsters. She dicks around with the spaceship for a bit in sign languages. See, dead brother, this is what I guess I misexpressed to you right before your death. You can still play with stuff without the batteries in them. Unless it's one of mommy's toys. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Blunt walks blithely down the cellar stairs, carrying a laundry basket. Dum dee dum dee dum. La 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 la. You know what? If it's a boy, I think I'll name him. Ow, fuck! Or maybe Gary. Now back to walking down these stairs. Dumpty the Oh fuck! A nail. See the first time she was just talking. I think this you understand. She covers her mouth, although now it's not saying anything. Then she runs to a shelf with stuff on it, starts a kitchen timer, turns on some red Christmas ice, try and cheer herself up, then hides in the bathtub while her foot bleeds. After she sits in the tub for a few minutes, the house shutters as a monster shows up. It waters around the living room, knocking shit over like paranormal activity. That's the demon's name. Then, growling surprisingly loudly, makes for the cellar. It's weird. The monsters are growling all the time. They make tons of <laughs> Way to beat them. Just Halfway down the stairs, the monster steps on the nail and starts howling and hopping around on one foot. <laughs> Krasinski's little home alone traps finally paying off. Out in the darkness, Krasinski and the kids see the red lights come on. Krasinski's sign language is fuck. Mommy thinks it's Christmas again. That means our place is probably crawling with monsters. The only thing they hate more than noise or Christmas is Mommy. Okay, Krasinski Jr., I mean Connor, here's the plan. I'll go inside with a shotgun and wander around slowly while you go climb up that hill over there and make a ton of noise so it draws all the monsters down on you. Good luck! (laughs) The kid, whose default position is terror, stares at him (laughs) (laughs) stares at him in sign language wait what why don't you go do the fireworks and I'll take the gun Krasinski's sign language is all come on bro it's for mommy remember push ups in Egypt tomorrow (laughs) the kid's sign language is but 
Krasinski uses sign language to tell him to talk to the hand. The kid sighs and heads for Firework Mountain. Back in the cellar, the kitchen timer goes off, fulfilling Blood's plan to irritate the monster and spur its murderously enraged efforts to find her. Clever girl. She goes upstairs and hides in another bathtub while she hears the monster knocking shit over in the cellar and waving to itself on Krasinski's TV screens, then coming back up the stairs and stepping on the nail again. The monster screams and hops around, then hears fireworks and runs off, giggling. <laughs> They're very impulsive. Krasinski shambles into the bathroom and stares at the blood in the tub. He looks sad, I guess assuming that Blunt somehow went down the drain? <laughs> He only knows from hearing aids, barely. Eventually, Blunt gets bored and jump scares him by swatting a bloody hand against the shower stall she's lying in behind him, cradling their newborn. Luckily, this loud noise doesn't bring monsters, and Krasinski carries Blunt while she carries the unhappy baby downstairs. (laughs) That baby doesn't know which movie he's in. Blunt sign language is, I didn't want our baby to be born in a bathtub, so I moved into the shower stall. (laughs) ow fuck i stepped on the nail again i thought you were carrying me what the speaking of which where are other kids what are we oh for three (laughs) krasinski's hands are all don't worry one's playing with fireworks as every monster from miles around converges on him Eyebrows is, uh, I don't know. (laughs) But I told her once that if she ever got bored and thought we were dead, to go play in the grain silo. So hopefully she... Ow, fuck! This fucking nail? God! Someone needs to seriously deal with this. At some point. She's all, careful your other foot. He's all, ow! Fuck! He's like an angry Drax. Downstairs... Like, he's not laughing, but he's loud and dumb. Downstairs, Krasinski finds a sub-basement slash mineshaft that, for some reason, they weren't using till now, under a moldy mattress. The mine basement's filling rapidly with water and has a monster sleeping in the corner. So he dumps her on some broken glass and goes, here, you'll be safe here. Okay, bye. Good luck. He puts the crying kid in a box, closes the lid, and sign languages. There. Okay, where should we mail him? Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Cotter and Eyebrows trick the monsters by running noisily through a cornfield, waving flashlights around in the monster's eyes, then by noisily falling into a grain silo and almost drowning. They trick the grain by holding onto metal, which grain has no answer for. Finally, they get bored and come out. Krasinski shows up and makes them hug him. He's sign language is... Don't worry, I gave your new baby brother the shotgun and grabbed this trusty axe here to keep us safe. Hurry for dad! Yes. Now go, quit goofing around and go get in that capsized car over there while I stand here and watch anxiously. <laughs> the kids run into the car, but the defective hearing aid Krasinski mismade for eyebrows immediately sets off the car alarm. A bunch of screeching monsters show up and start shredding the vehicle. Krasinski makes a final gym face at us and starts screaming. <laughs> The monsters get fed up with the face and attack him. 
The kids somehow manage to extricate themselves silently from the vehicle and avoid the attention of the nearby monsters and walk home. In the cellar, Blunt cradles her baby and watches bored as the monsters eat Krasinski on some of the TVs. While behind her, the other kids come down the stairs and step on the nail. Suddenly, even though for once nobody made a dumb noise, a monster shows up and hassles them. (laughs) Even when they're quiet, they get screwed. Where's the fireworks? That's what the monster should have been saying. You're over already? I came back here. The kitchen timer really pissed me off. Eyebrows' hearing aids start screeching again, making the monster's head pedals flapple in annoyance. It's like his ears stepped on the nail. Blunt's all, lol, and pokes Eyebrows till she's looking, then points at a nearby volume control knob. Eyebrows cranks it to 11, and then somehow makes her hearing aid screech on cue. The monster gets annoyed and starts dancing and scowling. Blunt shoots it in the face with the shotgun. This mostly kills it. Blunt and Eyebrows exchange smirks of triumph. Connor sign languages. Uh, I help too. <laughs> Get dad killed, but still. <laughs> Blunt looks on the TVs and notices that hundreds of monsters, drawn by the shotgun blast and Krasinski's corpse's gym face, are closing in on the house from every direction. Blunt raises the shotgun with a steely smirk and nods at Eyebrows as Eyebrows re cranks up the volume again and sets her hearing aid to screech. As behind them, the first monsters appear on the stairs and start stepping on the nail. Connor's sign language is all. Um, hey, Mom, uh, how many shells are left in the gun there? The end. <laughs> all right, who wants to go first? Uh, a quiet place, hugely successful, critically and commercially. Dingus, what did you think of A Quiet Place? And what's a movie that's better than A Quiet Place and not quite as good as A Quiet Place? All right. So under, I would put a movie called Midnight Special that we saw, the Jeff Nichols movie, um, that uh, I think partially worked for me, but uh, didn't all the way work for me. Um, And over this, I would put The Survivalist. Uh, I think these are are both movies where – all three of these are movies where the movies begin – uh, there, there were a number of movies I could have chosen, but I chose these, these, these three, these two. These are movies where you're kind of watching. You're going, "What's going on here?" I don't know what, quite what's going on here because, you know, I go into a movie uh, not knowing much about it. I won't say I, would, I go into it blind like the aliens do, but I go into a movie not knowing much about it. Um, I really loved this movie. I really, really liked it. I was uh, kind of skeptical about seeing it. Um, I, I waved you off. Yeah, because you waved me off, and um, but I, I watched some. Uh, I watched the other things John Krasinski directed this week, and some uh, and a movie he act. He was just an actor in that I really, really loved. I was really surprised by. Uh, but I, lo- I loved this movie. I really, I really, really like it. Yeah. All right, Kelly. What's a movie that's not as good as A Quiet Place? A movie that's slightly better than A Quiet Place? And what did you think? Uh, for quiet, I went with, uh, for my over under, I went with, um, family dramas with monsters. You got to live around, like you can't kill me. You just got to deal with it every day. Like just pretend they're not around. So my over is it follows, although it's not really a family drama. So I broke my little thing, but, um, my under was, it comes at night. 
Ooh, Tom's not going to like that. But I couldn't get into those characters as I could get into these. Like these seem like more relatable. Okay. Um, and it, and but I really liked it too. I thought it was really good. I really liked um, the pacing. There's not a lot of downtime, and like most of the movie is that one day, and there's not a lot of wasted space. And I think Jim Krasinski, the movie's really well cast, and his face is kind of good for what he's the kind of part it is. Like it's kind of it seems shrewd because he has kind of an expressive beardy face. Um, and I've been reading online that this movie's supposed to be about Trump or something. And I don't really understand that analogy. And I remember The Village was supposed to be about 9-11. I <laughs> kind of understood a little, but um, I don't know. I was curious if uh, that's a stupid point. But I liked it. I'm surprised you didn't like it as much, Tom. So <clears throat> my over and under are movies where uh, the heroes discover the monsters have a weakness. And that's how they prevail, and it's like a third act. Whoa, that's how we kill them. Now we're, now we're fine. Uh, and my under is Signs, uh, because Signs, uh, you know, as, as much as I think uh, Shyamalan can be really good with the moment-to-moment technical aspects of filmmaking, I think that Signs is a classic example of his shortcomings in that it's going along as one kind of movie, and he wants to make it into some heartfelt message about grief and letting go – and it just is completely ridiculous by the time Signs is over with the swing away and, oh, the monsters are vulnerable to water. Yeah, um, water. <laughs> and, and that's a classic – I mean that's, that's sort of a classic horror movie uh, conceit is you have to find out what kills the monster. Uh, and you know H.G. Wells did it way back when War of the Worlds, and that, that's a fine idea. I'm okay with that if you do it well. But yeah, water is kind of silly uh, and watching uh, – is it Joaquin Phoenix? It is, isn't it? Yeah, Watching it Joaquin is. Phoenix swinging baseball bats at glasses of water is, is just laughable at the end of Signs. And Signs, I don't think, expects to be laughable. Signs thinks that it's being uh, a heartfelt story about grief and letting go and all of that. Uh, so Over is a similar movie, which I like more than A Quiet Place because my problem with A Quiet Place, I love creature features. I do. I love dumb scripts about monsters, and this is, this is that. Uh, I also love heartfelt movies about protecting your family, and this is that. It's, it's trying to be both things, and I don't think it's successful at, mm. uh, at, at combining them. And Dingus, I'm glad you mentioned Midnight Special because I had the same feeling about Midnight Special. Uh, okay. It was trying to be a thriller. It's trying to be about you know, protecting your family like, ta- like he did with Take Shelter, and I didn't feel that those two things worked together for me. So my over is a movie where you discover the monsters are weak to something that I also didn't like, but I think this movie at least knows what it is. And this movie is aware of itself, it's aware of it, it has a consistent tone, uh, and I think it even knows that it's kind of bad. And my over is actually uh, Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton thing, where you discover yeah. at the end the, the aliens are uh, Slim Whitman songs, make their heads blow up. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I didn't really like that, but I would rather watch that because I think at least that uh, is more self-aware. Uh, so I'm the weird guy, and I did wave Dingus off. My assessment of this movie is it's like it comes at night, but in a, with a made-for-lifetime kind of earnest quality, like TV-ish. Which I would think aspect. you would review – I would think you would assign to Dingus. You go, it's totally for you. Um. I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously I was wrong. Same I mean, Dingus sure. did like it, but I, I just thought it was a, a, a compromised. It, it was two compromised scripts. Uh, that was sort of my assessment of it. And I actually don't think I love watching Jim, Jim Krasinski, but I don't. I, I don't think he's a very good director. 
I just I just don't uh, think it was very well directed. Um, I thought it was all right. Okay, but I don't know. I'm kind of dumb. Like I don't know. Well, no, no, like, you're not. I, I mean, this this movie. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the two salient facts about this are that it, it made a hugely enormous amount of money and that it's incredibly high on on Rotten Tomatoes. People, critics, and and people who pay to go see movies love this thing. So you're yeah. not dumb, Kelly Wand. I'm I'm totally an outlier here. Uh, well, it made me suspicious because my mom also went, "Oh my god, it's so good!" And I went, "Oh, everybody lives in it." So like, instantly I start <laughs> presupposing things I'm not gonna like about it. It's like, okay, Krasinski's gonna come out. So in a way, that maybe tricked me into liking it more than I should have because I thought Krasinski was gonna survive. And it was gonna. Um, and it's got a lot of kids in it for a movie that I didn't hate. Um, but I really <laughs> like the kids' performances, and I like like I really like the acting, and so that's why I'm surprised he didn't like Krasinski's directing because it seems like he got like a lot of good performances out of it, considering the premise. Like he got a lot of mileage. I no, he's great. I mean, and you could uh, like I, I appreciate that he's working with his wife, and that's cool. I loved finding out that uh, Millicent Simon Simmons uh, was actually deaf. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, I and he fought for her to be in the movie. Yeah. I, so, uh, said, yeah. It, but my problems with his direction are just things like that whiteboard Visual? in the background. That's and so dumb. I, yeah. I was super confused too. I thought there was a dream sequence when the basement flooded. I wasn't real clear. Well, <laughs> yeah. have, they, have they discovered that to use running water to mask their sounds? It's like apocalypto. Uh, just the rules exactly. consistency stuff really bothered me. Like as as a dumb creature feature. I thought it got the dumb right and not the creature right. <laughs> mm. uh, so, but you guys, so, uh, so Dingus, so you, so you liked it a lot. Obviously the, the bit I presume that appealed to you mostly was this idea of, of, of how, how strongly this was about. And this was obviously what attracted Krasinski to do it, uh, was about a, a man protecting his family. I imagine. Oh yeah. 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 I love that about it. Uh, but I also love the way that it's paced out at the beginning. And, and I really love I, I, you know, I, I will sign on for a movie that gives me that WTF feeling at the beginning. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. I, I kept hearing this as a horror movie. Do you think this is a horror movie, Tom? Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a, an existential apocalypse. That's, that's one of my problems with it is I, I think it's a, it's a horror movie that is trying to transcend the genre. And I, I oh. uh, but, but yeah, do you, do you disagree that it's a horror movie? Like how would you characterize well, it? I don't know. I, I, I have a problem when I see the word horror uh, affixed to a movie in that, uh, and this is just this is just me uh, because of my uh, when I was introduced to horror movies, I tend to think of them as the same thing as slasher movies, and they're not the same thing. I understand that intellectually, but when I'm watching the movie, I I think of this more as a thriller than I do as a horror movie. It just doesn't feel like horror to me in that same way. Um, but I get but what maybe, you're saying. maybe these things are blurred. I don't know. But Horror is uh, a weird word for a genre because it's a weird no, way you don't want to feel. Well, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dingus, I get what you're saying about the whole confusion about slasher movies because slasher movies are, are clearly a subset of horror. But I, I feel yeah. that they're, they're a, a weird little creatively bankrupt corner of, of horror. I would say huh. what – what distinguishes a thriller from a horror movie is a thriller wants you to be excited at the action scenes, whereas a, a horror movie wants you to dread, dread them. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Kelly's wow. always making the joke about it taps into your fear of insert object or person here. But that's cl- that is what horror movies do is yeah, yeah. they appeal to your fear of certain things. And that's one of the things, 
you know, the, the story, the, the existential apocalypse here in a world where people can't talk to each other, I love that. I yeah. adore that part of the script, but and I wish it wasn't married to a really dumb creature feature. Um, and I, mm. I love that part, and that's, that's a great conceit for a horror movie, is you can't communicate naturally with the people that you love or they will die. That's horrific, and, and that's outrageous, and it's, it's almost absurd. Uh, so and you I have a baby that. on the way, so you have a ticking clock. Exactly, right. And that, that, is, that is horrific, because you want, yeah. you know, the arrival of a baby is a cause for joy, and it's a new life, and it's thrilling. But here, the arrival of a baby is, it's a pause. It's, it's a death sentence hanging over their heads, except that it's not, because in this movie, the monsters magically can't hear the crying baby when it's convenient. Yeah. And that, that's where yeah. I start to, that's yeah. where I question Krasinski's True. direction, and where I have an issue with it, is it wants me to dread things, and I do, but then it completely undercuts the danger of those things. Like playing Monopoly with little felt pieces, that's cool if you have to be that quiet. But right. to then have the little kid running around early on in the drugstore with his bare feet padding right. around and... There, there, there's just so many. I'm not clear when this movie wants me to be uh, to be legitimately scared for the characters, and when it wants to no hand way. way when it wants to hand way away hand wave away its own conceit. Um, so that's that's a lot of my issue with with Krasinski's direction. But to get at what you're saying, Dingus, uh, I, I, I think this is definitely a horror movie, uh, and I think it's a it's a, a fantastic concept for, for a horror movie. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad one, uh, which one of you brought up It Follows. Was it you, Kelly? Me. Yeah, I was yeah. So we have a we have a, a listener who wrote in named Joe Johnson who uh, who uh, brought up It Follows. And he thinks he thinks or he says it's the most taut thriller that he's seen since It Follows. Um, uh, I think It Follows is is much stronger than this. But I, I like that he brought it up. And when you brought it up as well, it kind of made me made me happy. But it does make me think of the way that 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 monster works, or that that force of evil works, however you want to call it. It's more um, original, yeah, too, and curious. Curious. Well, it, it it just feels it, it fills me with more dread than this movie did. Because yeah. uh, we don't even this, know the rules. We don't even know all the rules it's following. No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very very well done. Um, uh, but and Chris Margotson also says that you know in in relation to what Tom was talking about about some of the um, some of the rules that the movie has as far as noise is concerned that uh, that he's not as worried about it um, uh, yeah. being com- completely one hundred percent consistent as far as sound is concerned because I you know as I was watching I was thinking well what about noise that you make at night what about snoring you know right. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty lousy snorer. What about so. a sneeze? Why is it sneeze? Does anybody ever sneeze in this universe? With sneezing or sound? moaning or talking what? in your sleep or any of those types of things that you can't control. Do you have to put somebody on watch to like clamp everybody's mouth down at night? Or uh, what about noises that you make when you're making when you're making love, when you're having sex, whatever? Um, that you. What about in, any involuntary noise that you make? Um, I, and I think that uh, for me, I was able to. As I watched this, uh, and I wouldn't call it necessarily hand-waving, although I would understand that from the point of view of a horror aficionado, um, for me, I was able to forgive those because I liked the premise so damn much. I liked especially the way it was set up in that store with the, with the kid reaching up for the rocket and, and somebody catching it and, rem- and removing the batteries even though the, the, 
um, uh, the daughter, Regan, like hands them over, like being the good guy, uh, the good guy, older sister. Um, there were, there were so many things that I liked about that, that like, even, even from the point of view of, of, um, of the mother doing the laundry in the sink next to the washer and dryer and me realizing, Oh, they can't use the washer and dryer. I mean, little things like that. There were so many little touches that I liked so much that I could overlook the ideas of what are all the noises that we make in human life uh, that, you know, you, you know, from a burp to a fart to a sneeze, as Tom just said, um, that th- would draw these monsters according to the to the universe of this. Uh, but I liked the premise so much that I, I don't know what I don't know why this is. I was able to look over it. Maybe it's because I like John Krasinski so much. I don't know. Well, I, it's it, you know, I think of in my comparison with it, it comes at night, which Kelly likes this better than it comes at night. Uh, it comes at night as a very different uh, priority in that it doesn't want to be a creature feature. It wants to tell the same kind of story. You know, to what lengths do you go to protect your mm-hmm. family? And I think this is the typical noble story about sacrifice. Uh, it comes at night is a very different kind of approach uh, or answer to that same conundrum. What lengths do you go to protect your family? Here, noble sacrifice, sure, I could see that coming. It yeah. comes at night, has a very different agenda. But more importantly, it comes at night, not only does it have any rules, it doesn't care about rules. The whole idea, and it comes at night about who opened the door, that's never answered in that movie. And mm-hmm. I don't think Trey Schultz ever expects that to be answered. That's just not what he's doing. He's not making a rules-based horror movie. He's not marrying a zombie apocalypse or a pandemic movie or a creature feature to his story. He's completely focused 100% on the kind of story that he wants to tell, and he doesn't let the setting for this story compromise it in any way. And I just – I wished that Jim Krasinski had, had been a stronger director and had just basically said, okay, let's focus on this existential concept of a family that can't make noise, and let's not have rules. I mean let's not – write the rules on a board in the background of, of several yeah. scenes. Uh, and that's just so ham-handed to me. And that, that, I thought that was laughable, that stuff written there. Yeah, but I, I, I three. Just, I really wanted to like this. I wanted to like this so much. But Dingus, the things that didn't bother you just drove me batty. And that's that's totally on me because, you know, that's it follows as a good comparison. It follows one very simple rule. Like that. this is what works. And then everything else, all of that can – they're just make, like they don't know if we drop it in a pool, if we electrocute it. They're just fumbling around trying to figure out what's going on with this thing because they don't know the rules and we don't know the rules. We only know the one rule, and the movie's super consistent with that. Right. Uh, so yeah. I just I'm I guess I'm just a, uh, I'm really too fussy about my rules based horror maybe. No, I think that for me when I saw the calendar and the ba- uh, due day for the baby I went oh I can't wait to see what their plan is for that because Krasinski is not looking at it like oh my god what are we going to do it's like he seemed he's sort of we're supposed to think that he's really got his shit together even though he makes you know, tons of fuck ups during the well movie. he does I mean he's set up a they've got a plan for that I mean that's what's really cool I mean like are they gassing this kid What's there's going a monster on? in it <laughs> Well, I really place. liked that that workaround that they came up with. I mean, well, that's the very best you can do. I mean, kids aren't quiet. I mean, they don't See, have to necessarily right. scream when they're born. But but but, but you, there's no way to communicate to an infant. Uh, you can't talk now. Uh, they do and, scream when they're born. Which which is getting at they the rule always. stuff that that I didn't like. Like the rule stuff. Like I, I like that they had this plan, but I also thought, well, according to the rules we're setting here. 
the monsters are going to run in as soon as the baby gets born and starts yelling. Yeah, so uh, what's the plan? It, like, I really did think they were doomed as soon as the baby was going to be born. I know that they had a plan they that they were going to try to work around it. But, I, I, yeah, exactly. Like, I thought, well, wow, they know this is going to – like. Like, really, I thought, well, she should get an abortion if they want to survive because there's no way the baby right, can be quiet. Right, yeah. And I kind of thought that they just so, in a way, didn't care that we were going to discover that they were going to make some provision like in the road to rescue their mm. children and then go off and die. and have Like, I didn't know what they were going to do, but I really thought the movie was setting up the fact that a baby can't be born without bringing the monsters in. That's uh, the other thing. Is the baby was conceived after the monsters got there, according to the timeline. So they, they had that baby deliberately. Wait, is that true? No. Yeah, it's, it's no, day four, it is. It's day, we start on day, like, 90, whatever, and then we jump to day 472. Okay, 472, 472. divided by 30, that's more than seven year. months. Seven months. No, it's so they, <laughs> they figured out a way to work that out. And and uh, one of the things that's, that's really... It's not as a character touch. Like, they want to have the baby. Really great. Months. Joe Johnson's... Um, but one of the things Joe Johnson said is that his he went to see it with his wife, who's a nurse, um, and she doesn't like horror, but both of them really thought this was fantastic. But she says after three previous kids, she's probably got that shit locked down. That's that's what Joe Johnson's <laughs> wife. Yeah. Um, so you know, a kid doesn't necessarily have to scream when it when it's born, and that that's something that uh, I was talking to Alexandra, our friend Alexandra, who worked as a doula. For a while, about that, that kids don't. That's kind of a trope that kids automatically scream when they're born. That's not necessarily in movies. They do. True. Uh, well, in movies, also the water breaks at the very moment of exigency, which is which is one of the things I don't like about this. I don't like that in this, but that's that's part of the heightened tension of it. So I'm again, I'm right. I'm being very forgiving of this, but part of this, I'm, again, and I've said this before. I said this already. I just I love John Krasinski so much, even after uh, seeing a couple of his like fumbling early efforts at directing and then a, a couple of performances that are really loved of his. Uh, I, I like him so much that I think I'm willing to forgive a lot. And the fact that he's working with Emily Blunt and she's amazing in this. Um, uh, I don't know. I think I'm just being very forgiving of the movie. Well, I think I mean I, I think that's I, our friend Chris Dingus, I think said this is was it Chris said this is a horror movie for people who don't like horror movies. Yeah. You mean Markinson? Yeah. Didn't he say that? Someone said something along those lines. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But uh, so so as someone who loves horror movies, that that might be my, my issue with it, and uh. that might also be why it's it's reviewing so well is because I think a lot of reviewers dump on mm. horror movies. They're not fans of it. Horror movies traditionally score lower critically on places like Rotten Tomatoes and, and Metacritic. But I think that gets at something for some reason I don't understand is that this is a horror movie for people who don't like horror movies. Like apparently oh, there's something that way. there's something to that, and I don't understand necessarily why. Well, Markinson also says that um, the the kid dying early reminded him of of the of the witch. Uh, what he kind of wondered if it was cribbed from that and the voyage for me. Hmm. The voyage. The, the witch. witch. Oh, the witch! I thought you said the voyage, so, right? No, I said I said the voyage because because it's two V's. The witch. That kid dies in a way worse way later. Yeah. Though. Um. So uh, oh, so the kid dying in the witch, he he kind of wondered, it, but for him it was like, well, anybody can die. Uh, Dave Perkins, on the other hand, is like, <laughs> he, he didn't like the fact that that meant that 
the dad character died at the end. He's like, I would much rather have, and he likes dark endings in movies. He didn't want the dad character to end, but for Chris Markinson, it was like the kid dying at the beginning means anything is anything is on the table. Uh, they want you to think that though. I mean, I saw because that kid is a doomed. Like he's he's set up as doomed instantly. <laughs> he's drawing spaceships, and the and the sisters look like, oh boy, we're gonna have to, issues with Kenny today. I can tell. No, those which, those are two different kids. Which kind the of kid. is also why the, the little kid who got killed was the one running around the the pharmacy who wouldn't stop running around. Right. That's uh, who I'm, I thought we're talking about. Yeah. Isn't but, it? No, the, yeah. the rocket kid is the other kid, right? No. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, because that's that's I think it's the the rocket kid's a little kid, and that's why he wants the toy, I believe. Right. Like oh. Yeah. All right. Um, Maybe I but, but, that, but but I think like like do you take something like that to be uh, a sign of what's to come, or to be a cheap way to create a a, a tragic sense about the characters, like in Dead Calm, for instance? Oh. Is, let, okay. Let's show the, And I don't yeah. I don't have an answer to that. I I would prefer to think of it as the first thing is let's let's make this uncertain like the witch you know uh know let, let's uh, do this to introduce some uncertainty but i i was kind of i was definitely surprised that they let john krasinski die but it was such a and I, I, i'm gonna sound super dismissive and i know it was really effective for a lot of people but it was such a typical noble sacrifice thing and it was really played up and it was just so just so his melodramatic yeah i mean i just I mean, I, I kind of – if it was going to be really dark, like the death of the initial kid, it, it wouldn't have had this noble moment where their eyes lock and the kid is no, and then he draws a breath to scream. Uh, it, it was just a little overblown and a little proud of itself for its noble sacrifice uh, that it, it didn't work for me in a way that the murder of the kid kind of did because I don't know. Are we just establishing that they've suffered loss or are we establishing that, yeah, this is a really dangerous world? Tom, I agree we're also with- establishing the 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 basic problem with the father and the daughter. Oh, sure, the guilt thing is character development. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm with, and that, that's the thing is that's great. That's good writing. You know, the little kid uh, take, and I I like that combination of failures coming together that no one person could have foreseen. You can't have the rocket ship; it makes noise. Okay, you can have the rocket ship, but without the batteries. Oh, there are the batteries. The little kid grabs them. He doesn't know any better. Like I love those those that chain of failures and what that must have done to John Krasinski's character and Millicent Simon's character. Uh, right. That's good writing. I like that. And a it's lot. introducing the monsters, which is right, right, right. Like that's a great open. It opens big. The thing I would. Uh, I, th- I agree with you about the John Krasinski noble sacrifice, but the re- thing that it gets you is you go, oh, it's a t- predictable, like me and Tom are going, eh, predictable bullshit uh, <laughs> sacrifice move. And then the right after that, you know, you go, oh, I, re- I already know everything's going to happen. And then right after that, Emily, it has that kind of cool ending where Emily Blunt's like, all right, let's shoot all the monsters. I, that dro- okay. I hated that. I hated her smirking. Oh, my gosh. She just lost her yeah, husband, they're and they're going to go out on a cool shooting spree against monsters. Like, I, that just – I mean, at that point, I wasn't really into the movie, but that just seemed so weird to me, this idea that she'd just seen her husband die. And and, and that's because that, that gets at – these are two different movies, and I don't think Krasinski knew how to marry them. In one movie, mm. the creature feature, where you discover the creature's weakness, yeah, then you're going to kick some ass and get some payback. And that's how that's how uh, Mars Attacks works, is they drive around the streets with the Slim Whitman plane, and they're blowing the aliens' heads up. And that's where uh, Emily Blunt would triumphantly 
you know, chamber a shell and a shotgun and give her daughter a knowing look, and they're going to go out and kick some ass. But also, Jim Krasinski wanted to make a movie about this noble sacrifice and the terrible loss that you know that they felt, and that wow. he, he had to sacrifice himself to save them. I, those just seemed so out of sorts with each other to me. Uh, well, and also too, the first thing I thought is, oh, so they had the tools to get rid of the monsters, and John Krasinski died for nothing. Well, boy, well, well, that I don't, I don't think that's true, actually. But Dave Perkins agrees with you, Tom. He, he that cocking the shotgun thing did not please him. But Josh Lubliner totally disagrees with both of you guys because he thinks Emily Blunt is so amazing that she sells that final moment just fine. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. It's in the movie though that doesn't that, where it doesn't belong. Like I said, in a creature feature, that's a great moment. And uh, and and by the way, I think everybody, all the actors in this are beyond reproach. My problem is yeah. with the direction, but I loved watching Krasinski and Dingus. I don't know The Office uh, like you do, but I, I guess I just know him from Thirteen Days. Is that right? Thirteen hours and thirteen man, hours. Right. You, uh, I just got to tell you, uh, I I just got to give you total props on on calling out that movie because I watched that this week and. Good lord, that oh, is a thirteen good, hours. Good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Thirteen hours. The of Michael Secret Bay Soldiers movie. Of Benghazi. Yeah. yeah, the Michael Bay the, movie, and Michael Bay is a producer on this movie, actually. Um, uh, which you can kind of see how that works out too. Like, I think Michael Bay, and uh, I think he's also John Krasinski just landed another science fiction movie, and I think oh, Michael Bay is producing that. So I think like they definitely have a, a a solid relationship, and uh, and good for both of them, by the way. Yeah, you can definitely see it. There's there was one moment, and I did. This is before I realized that Michael, and this is before I thought I saw Thirteen Hours, and before I realized that Michael Bay was involved in it at all. There's this moment where they're walking on the railroad tracks or the across that bridge, and I loved that stuff with the sand, the, where they were pouring sand all over where, where they were going to walk. Um, uh, where there's this really uh, great crane shot that happens. I'm like, why are you having a crane shot in this movie? Oh, and then at the end, I'm like, oh, Michael Bay, Michael Bay produced this, so he's going to insist upon <laughs> or or influence you to do like certain things that you wouldn't do in a uh, let's say a, a lower budget movie. Um, but 13 Hours is freaking great. Yeah, what a yeah. what a great movie! I mean, it's it. it I don't know. I, I I think I was uh, leery of it because of political reasons, um, but uh. I was really nuts about it. And the cast, the the guys in it are amazing. I mean, they're just amazing. It's an amazing team that they've that they've put together, uh, and it's really cool to see David Denman, who is a character in The Office, who is who is Pam's uh, fiance. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I like that guy, and he's really good in it. And of course, you know, I mean, I think everybody. I I, I just can't. I, I I'm just gonna gush about Thirteen Hours, and I think John Krasinski was great in it. I just I loved 13 hours and I'm so glad that, you know, I would have dismissed it out of hand if not for the fact that you, Tom, had said, you know, you guys should put this on your radar. Yeah, the director of Armageddon. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. But 13 hours is actually a really good movie. And, and if you can sort of distance yourself from politics for a minute to watch it. Why don't you think um, you have to do that? Like the whole political. So Benghazi is a shibboleth that uh, super right winger. Right. 
exactly. Republicans use to – it basically is the same as like Clinton's emails. There's nothing there. It was really stupid, this idea that there should have been an, uh, an inquiry. Like the whole Benghazi thing is nonsense uh, and right. not, not what right. happened, but the way that it's been used as a political cudgel – uh, against Hillary Clinton, that's nonsense. Against. Yeah. And, and and which is unfortunate because it is a very compelling Black Hawk Down kind of situation. Yeah. Where uh, the military, well, mercenaries are are in a very difficult uh, mercenaries. It's kind of contractors, I guess, is the nice way to put it. But they're right. in a very difficult situation, uh, and you know they they eventually survive and uh, like it. Uh, it's it's a stirring tale, and it's a shame that it's saddled with this political meaning for certain wackos. Uh, and it's a shame, too, that people would think that, which naturally they would, about the movie, because the movie has no inkling of any of that. The movie does some weird, convenient uh, blaming of the CIA because of uh, certain certain intelligence sources aren't allowed to be used. They're still classified. So the movie conveniently dumps the fault on those things that can't defend themselves. And that's OK. Yeah. It's fine storytelling. Um, but, yeah, it's unfortunate that it has that political association. Uh, yeah, and I and I felt bad about that, but I felt bad for having ignored it because I think it's really good. And the reason I'm talking about it right now is because I think John Krasinski is so good in it. He's so solid. He's got this good family guy kind of a thing, which not family guy like the television show, but just family man that he's supposed to have and that he carries forth into this. So, you know, he's the new Jack Ryan in the Amazon series. Yeah, and I and I didn't realize yeah. that was a series. I just <laughs> I just thought it was going to be the like the next movie. Kelly, um, what was that noise you made? Why are you doubting J- John Krasinski being a uh, Jim? Yeah, John Krasinski being a J- Jack Ryan. What's your uh, problem? That noise was meant more for the character of Jack Ryan. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. That was more in reaction to Clancy than Krasinski. Well, okay. You know, until watching uh, watching a, a couple of his movies and Thirteen Hours in particular, I could not have seen him as being in that, in being like in being Jack Ryan. Um, now I can. Uh, he's just yeah, got sure. this great, solid, and I don't know, just this quality to him that really works for me here. Uh, and I love, I really, I, I loved him in this. And I love the fact that, uh, and oh, good lord, I've watched a couple of interviews with, uh, with him sitting next to Emily Blunt and them talking about this, and they are just the charmingest couple I think I've ever seen. Uh, they're funny. Uh, they they pal around with each other. They're they're a little bit goofy. Um, I mean, just the way you, I think you would imagine them and, and they work really well together. It's like, as if he were making movies with Pam. Um, and, and I, I love him in the office. <laughs> I absolutely love this dude. And I can't imagine, I could not have imagined, and I've watched a little bit of the office, like getting ready for this. I could not have imagined him as like an action star, but now I can. Now, uh, I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but Emily Blunt is British. Uh, yes, yes. She definitely is British. <laughs> is she British in the movie? Oh, we don't know. Does, is there an accent on her sign language? Right. <laughs> mm, very well done. <laughs> Did you guys know Olivia Cook is British, by the way? Which one's that? Uh, <laughs> Dingus would know. She was in Ready Player One, and Dingus and I know her from Me and Earl and The, the Dying Girl. Dingus, did you know that she's a Brit? Yes. I, I, How did I, you know that? Because I listened to a couple of interviews of hers. Oh. I, I always tried to listen to interviews to get um, the way that you uh, that you get um, uh, name pronunciations, like Noah Jube, for instance. 
you didn't know how to pronounce Olivia Cook? <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce Noah Jupe, but I, uh, no, uh, but I listened to something that that she was talking uh, about another cast member. I don't know. Uh, she she's in a movie that I confused this one with called The Quiet Ones, which I uh, yeah. actually watched this week. And there's hmm. Olivia Cook with a British accent. I'm like, oh, she does a pretty good British accent. Hey, wait a minute, is she actually British? And I went and looked, and she is. Oh, uh, it's cheating. Do you know kind what Noah, yeah. Noah Jupe is in? He's he's also British. Oh, these these Brits and Australians coming over and taking our jobs. We should yeah. build a wall. We should. We need really uh, extreme sure. extreme vetting against them coming over and taking our acting jobs. The scared kid in the movie reminded me of the Democrats, where he's just like. <laughs> so, the the scared kid is Noah Jupe. He plays Marcus, and he's in a in a show called The Night Manager. Hmm. Who's he in that? I don't know. It's, oh, you know, yeah, but, okay. He's a little precocious. Uh, he's Hugh, Hugh Laurie's son. That's got to be right, yeah. All right. He's basically a plot device in that. I'm not sure they do much with him. Maybe that's his name. In the... Plot device? Yeah. <laughs> so, Terrible uh, thing to name your son. <laughs> I just wanted to say that Chris Webb describes this movie. Chris Webb did not like it. He uh, he says that uh, it's uh, his burden to have to deal with uh, a dingus choice. <laughs> Um, basically, but we had nothing else. He, it's not just he describes you. this as survival as tedious. Uh, he <laughs> says it's not for me. His under Chris Webb's under would have been gravity, which is weird, wow. and over would have been revenant. Uh, he thinks that what? gravity's a better movie, <laughs> but he would rather watch this again. Oh, uh, that's a great everything there is good. Um, so for time. him, survival as tedious means you guys. Gravity is under. He says, just give up. It's fine. <laughs> That's yeah. what Chris Webb says. Just give up. That's fine. Just Wait, what's really, fine? A quiet, a quiet plate? What does he want us to give up on? No, he's talking to the characters. Guy, just, yeah. Oh, oh, oh the characters. <laughs> you guys will, that's fine. You, you can give up. Don't worry about it. He gets bored. Just die already. That's <laughs> um, and so, so I think he talked about like the movie Alien as being like the musical chairs of death. Uh, which we would prefer to this. Um, so Chris Webb was not interested in this because of, uh, for him, it's survival is tedious. Why? Well, I, what did you guys think of the the the? So the the threat here is, of course, the monsters. What did you guys think of the monsters? Didn't make much of an impression. Hmm. No, I like. I kind of like the way they're slowly revealed. Um, and that's why I chose like for my name gag, Nam, who is this creature from the Thomas Covenant books. Don't worry, Tom, <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to talk about the catacles of Leibowitz. The uh, calls because, you. because they are, uh, they're, they seem to be, um, indestructible. And then, uh, Millicent, uh, or, I'm sorry, um, Regan figures out what's going on. Uh, and this is a kind of a kind of a big deal with with people who are in the deaf community is uh, is dealing with that fact that this is a movie that has a deaf character and a deaf actress who uh, who's the hero of the movie, but then they're kind of also kind of chopping it apart because of the use of a cochlear implant, which is uncomfortable for a lot of people in, in that community. And also the, the, I read this uh, opinion piece 
from this professor who was talking about the fact that well the the implant is really the hero of the movie and not the not not the girl um and i understand for sort of i i i can i, I can have empathy for that idea because i understand the culture uh, of the deaf community I, or i understand it as well as i can being a hearing person um but i really really liked the idea of the way that the creatures were constructed and and the way especially that the that the ears were shown uh when when they would hear those things and when they would be affected by sound and how that sound would affect them and how this one girl was the one who was able to figure it out uh i think the teeth were a little much but that that's kind of they have to chew their food how else are they going to get the flesh off of the carcass they're eating they could gum carcass Oh. <laughs> uh, I did love that uh, that the way that their their ears would dilate or whatever, and the way that yeah. they would play with the sound. Uh, that part of the creature I like the the head pedals, as Kelly Wand explained them. I, I think the idea there was that when their head pedals get discombobulated, the shotgun can penetrate their armor. I wasn't right. super clear with what was going on there, but that seemed to be the right. idea. Uh, yeah. Is that if you agitate the head pedals, then uh, their armor has holes in it, and shotgun pellets can kill them. They're um, weak. Well, that's a, so what bothered me then, and this is, again, just me and Rules and his stupid whiteboard. Uh, mm. So all th- these things have destroyed the world, and nobody who realized they were vulnerable to sound tried the equivalent of different frequencies of dog whistles on them, for instance. Yeah, so we know dog whistles hurt dogs because they, they, their ears are tuned to different sound frequencies. Nobody thought around the entire world, let's try to use sound to overwhelm these guys, really. I saw that as everyone did use it, but they just didn't tell Krasinski's <laughs> well, That's not – I don't think that's too far off base because we don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. He can't we get do. a signal I mean, we, from anywhere else. Well, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, got some newspapers and whatnot, but right. we don't know how, how much this is affected or how pop- – I mean in this particular area, there's three of them. That's what they've sort of determined. There's we don't three. even know that it's Earth. <laughs> maybe the That's kid. Point. I'm serious because maybe the kid, the rocket thing, like he, they're on a different planet. Yeah, it's another planet that has the cities Singapore, London, Bagoda, and Moscow yeah. written on Jim's well, whiteboard. Yeah. So they could they could have overrun the cities. I mean, we we don't really know what's going on. I mean, this, that's kind of one of the cool things about about this movie is right. I agree. And this you. is something I was talking about with somebody else is that we're dropped in the middle of it. And we don't know what's going on in the rest of it. And that's kind of why I related to the survivalists, because we don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. Well, and more to the point in this, we also – I like that they didn't tell us, you know, are they aliens? Do they come from underground? Are they mutants? Right. I didn't need to know that. And I no. think that that gets at this idea of making a, a, a story like, – like it comes at night also. You know, we don't need to know that stuff if you're going to tell us a story about the – the lengths to which you have to go to protect your family. I don't need to right. know if you're protecting your family from mutants or aliens or underground tremor bug worm things. Uh, and I liked that that didn't go there. But again, that solution, like I, I just can't because they did. Like there, there are the newspaper clippings say things like we've discovered this sound. They're vulnerable to sound. Uh, <laughs> you know, apparently it's enough to announce on a headline in a newspaper while printing presses are still running yeah. and papers are being distributed. That's been discovered. Uh, and, and here's another thing. That's the loudest way to convey news, by the way. <laughs> uh, did – were we supposed to think that there were fires being lit by other survivors? 
That's true, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, why? Why couldn't? Well, why couldn't they interact with it? Like, I wanted them to talk to and meet other people. I want. That's one of you know. Chris Webb says mm. survival is tedious, but I don't think it's tedious. I think it really gets down to. It strips away the trappings from human relationships and lets you tell different kinds of stories with them. So I was really wanting them to meet other people beyond random aggrieved old man who doesn't care that he's going to get two people killed because he has to scream right now and not in three minutes after they've gone on down the road. You know, that he was agreed with Chris Webb. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, right. <laughs> but it, so that was the thing is when I saw these different fires, I really wanted this – to be more of a movie like i wanted to know what kind of community is there do they help each other what uh i i just watched on netflix a canadian zombie movie called uh uh the translation is ravenous but i think in canadian it's called les affons uh but, oh. but it's very, yeah, oh, ooh la la. Uh, but it's very much about that aspect of an apocalypse and so i kind of had that on the brain is this idea in an apocalypse how do you interact with other people you know of course you love your family and that's what it comes at night got at uh, Les Enfants, Les Enfants is really good about that, about different kinds of people having to help each other. So I was really disappointed we didn't meet the other people lighting those hmm. fires. Yeah, eh. that's, I think that's a good point. Well, the well, the kids were trying to signal them, apparently, right? I think. So. Well, the kids were lighting the fire. I think to signal their parents. I'm not sure, Dingus. You might be right. Like when they well, were the, on top. Of well, the, the son is saying uh, he'll come. He will come for us. And she's like, No, he won't. Well, he'll come for you. He's not going to come for me because of that whole he doesn't love me thing. Tough room. But but yeah. wait, wait, but they're trying to – who are they – so the fire, you think they're trying to signal uh, other communities? Well, that doesn't really right. make any sense because it seems That's, like when he does that, when he's up on the silo, it's just as, hey, we're here. You guys still here? Well, yeah, exactly, and I love that idea, and yeah, but well, couldn't – couldn't they help each other? Do they give each other food or what? I, yeah, I did like that idea that you, uh, because you can't communicate, you have to be super quiet. You can't have cities or communities. Like I, I, right. I, I wish that had kind of been explored because that's really provocative to think about. Uh, and that, by the way, you guys are going to laugh and you should because it's terrible. But that's one of the things I appreciated about uh, The Happening, which is a terrible movie but a provocative script for this idea that people uh. can't live in communities or it will end the world. You know, that's huh. the whole premise of the happening, which is really stupid, that we have to live apart from each other or we're doomed. Like, that's a weird existential apocalypse. Too bad Shyamalan was too clumsy to really make a <laughs> movie out of it. Water. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Josh Lovelder also brought up that at least they weren't allergic to water, which I think you oh, right. talked about with science. But almost. But the, I like that ending because it means there's no sequel because they solved the problem. So it's like a little short story. Well, here's the thing. If there's a sequel, Kelly Wan, it's going to be strictly the creature feature part. And Well, you know what? I guess they could do it with like Emily Blunt and the two kids. God help us. I don't want to see that. Uh, I, I don't – like I, I think – you know what I think it comes to, Kelly Wan? I think this movie did so well that there are definitely people at Paramount needling uh, Krasinski saying, hey, you know, you and Emily should consider doing a sequel. I, I just know do a different be- story. Just get everyone back together and go. Okay, now it's something else. No, it needs it needs quiet ones. No, qu- a quiet. It needs quiet place in the title, because uh, that's how sequels work. Is you got to play on people's expectations from the first movie. Our expectations are that she kills all the monsters, just like no, uh, oh, no, no, you want to turn of the Jedi? I thought the rebels won <laughs> against the Empire, but I guess don't they you want to see her killing monsters? Come on, Kelly Wand. No. We'll have, a bigger, we'll have a bigger budget. She can go into cities now. What do you think? 
that can't, that doesn't that ruin everything? I mean, the ending. Tell you what, Kelly Wand, we'll have uh, John Krasinski in it as uh, like he appears to her in uh, flashbacks, and then he can still be in it as well. What do you think? It's like at the end of Back to the Future when he goes, where we're going, there are no roads, and then in the second one, there's just roads everywhere. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I think there probably won't be a sequel to this because I think probably Krasinski and Emily Blunt uh, are a little smarter than that. And if there is a sequel, and I wouldn't be surprised to hear this, to, that this happens, that it would be without their participation. That Paramount will uh, give a super Book low budget. Yeah, Book of Shadows or Paranormal Activity. They're going to take a super low budget because this thing I think was like $15 million. They're going to take a super guys low, low budget, give it to some new guys and say, okay, here. Here's the premise. Uh, you have to be quiet in the world or the monsters get you. Just take the quiet place uh, IP and, and make a movie. That hey, is Max what I'm Landis, guessing. you're not busy. Right. <laughs> well, That's what I'm guessing will happen. Well, let's, ta- let's talk about the use – the silence in this movie Ugh. in in actual the real world <laughs> of going to the theater. Because, mm-hmm. because um, you know, like jo- like Joe Johnson really liked the use of silence in this. Um, I heard a guy snoring he, in the audience. He, he said <laughs> it was making the other audience members laugh. Like well, that's <laughs> funny, actually. Uh, Josh Joe Johnson says it, it. The movie embraces something he calls the quiet gap, like the like these these long stretches of silence, which he he found impressive. Um, and Josh Lubliner is talking about how the, the movie started off so quiet that for a while it was confused as to whether the ambient theater noise was actually a part of the soundtrack or not. <laughs> um, and, and it was really weird for me, you know, just sort of taking in the, the idea of being in a theater, uh, during a movie like this, which is so you quiet, quiet in a and quiet people place. are, are like crinkling candy wrappers for a little while. And then they yeah. seem to start to not do that. Uh, which is another thing that Josh says. Um, what was your, because, uh, you know, I went a couple of days ago in the morning to a horror movie and I didn't expect the theater to be that full, but it was pretty full and people were really quiet. Did you have that experience? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it requires, it, well, here's what I think is, is going on part of it. And so I have two issues with this. Uh, I do love the idea. I love the quiet, and I love that a modern thriller. I love that a modern thriller can can play with silence so much. But he put music over everything. There was way too much music in yeah. this, where there should the have just been silence. Thing. Yeah, like the the, the, the silent. I don't think I, I kind of. And this is again where I think Krasinski's a little weak as a director. He didn't trust the absolute silence. Uh, he had yeah. To I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm um, really with you on that because, and I wrote that in my notes as we were going along. And this is a Marco Beltrani, uh, Beltrani yeah. soundtrack. And, and doesn't he do like action movies and stuff? Dingus? Like, he, he did Logan. It? He did the snowman, um, uh, action. So he does, <laughs> he does those kinds of things. And, and, uh, Krasinski held off for a while, but then it started to trickle in and then it got a, a little overwhelming. Uh, and I wish I, as it, as you said, I wish he would have had the courage to just keep it quiet. And I think that's uh, not pandering so much. That's appealing to a mainstream audience. Uh, like they need the Tom's music. getting they, to me. Damn it! They need the music to tell them how to feel. And if there's silence, Tom's ruining it. 
if, if there's yeah. silence, it's an art house movie. Like it comes at night and no one's going to know what to think. And people are going to get up and leave in the middle of it because they're not going to understand. Uh, and here's the, here's what bothers me personally, though. Uh, like I understand the whole thing. Yeah, people need music, whatever. It's a certain level of filmmaking. Fine. Death you know. Star blows up loud. Here's what drives me crazy, though. I uh, Jump scares, I'm so – the worst <laughs> kind of jump scare to me is a, is a noise red jump herring. scare. Well, the, a red herring or a noise – like I don't – jump scares were something like leaps out of the screen. That's bad enough. But jump scares that are volume-based yeah, I think are in just the movie. so – are so, exactly, and the movie are just, I think, so weak. And this movie, I constantly was on edge, not necessarily because of good storytelling or a solid script or world building. I was on edge simply because there were volume-based jump scares that the okay, movie kept yeah. throwing at me. And that, drives, and that, and that, by the way, I think most people will misconstrue that for tension, like 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 mm. like narrative yeah, tension. Yeah. It's not yeah. narrative tension; it's oral tension because you know a noise is going to come at you and people right. go to this movie and like oh i was so tense the movie was so scary and frightening yeah, yeah you were tense because someone was about to like clang cymbals behind your head when you didn't expect it uh, right. so so that silent stuff in theory yes 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 in execution i it didn't really work for me in this movie well that, that makes sense because you don't i don't think you trust him as a director and you don't trust him not to do that and that's that's you know, that's why I had to go see the movie alone. My my girlfriend watched the trailer and she's like, there's two jump scares in the trailer. No, thanks. <laughs> well, Dingus, yeah. you're as much of a baby about jump scares as I am. They this, Surely this movie got you several times, right? Uh, um, you know, the, uh, raccoons, the raccoons coming off the roof didn't get me, but the raccoon getting stepped on, I thought was hilarious. Um, the <laughs> And the hand on the... Okay. The bloody hands, the bloody hand on the uh, on the shower door didn't right. scare me. I'd, I I wasn't particularly scared during this movie so much as I was tense, but not for those reasons. I I guess I trusted him more because I like you know I I actually really he did this this movie uh, called the the Hollers. That yeah, I what is that? Actually, Tell us about that. Uh, it's the you know it's it's a very Sundancey movie. It's not for Tom. I'm just going to tell you, you know, Anna in Kendrick's the, in it. Yeah, Anna Kendrick is. It's got a, an incredible cast. I mean, it's a great cast. It's got Margot Martindale. It's got oh, um, yeah. uh, Richard Jenkins. Um, it's got Charlie Day, who I know you love. Yeah. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> Dingus, come on. If I watch Pitch Perfect Three for Anna Kendrick, I'll see the Hollers. I'll see some little Sundancey thing. She's great in it, but she's You'll not. See her farts. She's not in it enough to uh, oh. to redeem it from its Sundance qualities. Oh, it's I was just assuming really... they were the. They're not the two leads. Uh, not really. No, oh. I mean, I mean, she's she is the she is one of the leads, but it's it's more about him and his family, and and it, what, what's great is Charlotte Copley is great in it. Uh, it's it's just an incredible cast. I really, really, actually liked it. A, great deal but it's way too sundancy for you yeah. uh but it's 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 it shows much more i mean you can kind of see him progressing from these uh like his first movie was i think a brief brief interviews with hideous men um which is i think david foster wallace uh and uh, based on his book and and that's that's a little like stumbly it feels like a lighter version of um neil what's his name Patrick Harris. No, not Neil Patrick Harris, the director. Neil, uh, not Neil Jordan. Le Butte. Le Butte. Neil Le Butte. It feels like a lighter version of Neil Le Butte. Uh, 
yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't want to watch that either. Uh, but uh, but the, but you can see his progression as he goes. Um, and so I, I really actually liked the Hollers a lot. But I'm more, I'm more forgiving of of like a Sundancey feel movie. Right. I mean, it's certainly better than that awful uh, Paul Dano movie with the little girl who uh, dances like a stripper and out. Adam Arkin is in it, or Alan Arkin, or whatever. Why are you being so mean to Little Miss Sunshine, Dingus? I, I can't help it. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really like the Hollers, and but you can see uh, John Krasinski kind of building like where he's going. Um, so I, I was much more forgiving in this movie in that. Right. Well, his next movie is a uh, it, it's a little science fiction. Uh, I think a, again a smaller concept based movie, uh, which is something about. Uh, like there's a, like the Earth has been destroyed and now everybody lives on Mars and it's uh, like something about a colony on Mars after the destruction of Earth and then uh, a woman figures out she can like breathe the air. I just read a little synopsis in Variety, so it's some concept based genre movie uh, and I'd love to see him go ahead with that kind of things because like I said he has the right idea and if he gets better at it, great. I, I love seeing people attempt this, uh, doing right. different things with horror. Uh, you know, marrying the genre with other kinds of storytelling elements. So uh, I'm glad this did well for him, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one of the things Chris Markinson said that I really liked that I didn't notice was that uh, one of his points was that they removed the doors from the houses. Uh, well, they also had to mark where you could step on, like which yeah. boards, but why not just have carpet <laughs> but yeah no, yeah I did, yeah i loved the i noticed the the paint on the floor i mean i liked all of those little touches i wonder what the trial and error on that was though right. how, how many other family members did they have <laughs> dingus oh that's like something kelly <laughs> would wow. say yeah i'm shocked <laughs> but I, I really liked chris saying that they removed the doors so that there's not slamming of doors and whatnot and when they're walking through the woods after you know before or after the the fishing scene um i wonder like when the when the swings are swinging why are the creatures not is that just like a normal sound that they're used to or whatever um so from a rules-based point of view i did constantly have to sort of uh i will say hand wave those types of things yeah they don't mind natural sounds or they can't do anything about them because the world's noisy even without us how come they don't just move to the river like why don't they just live by the river build a house on there and then you could maybe whisper at night with or out on the water a boat exactly <laughs> live on a boat. Yeah. then you're surrounded by ocean thing that's the thing is you're, you're not supposed yeah you're not supposed to look at the movie that way kelly really i'm it's not well markinson says that somebody he read something in a thread about that but and i think his answer is is correct is that you know one that they would uh, they would build bed habits and not you know if if they had to leave the waterfall that they wouldn't be quiet but also that they wouldn't have electricity home they wouldn't have uh living near the water on a waterfall would probably not be a good idea because of those things okay they could get chuitel geofor and chris pine to build a water <laughs> mill a water wheel i was them. i was water meal did you just say water meal Water wheel. Awesome. Water wheel. Rhymes with water wheel. Water wheel. Windmill. Water wheel. Windmill. I, I almost did choose Z for Zachariah, by the way. As you're over, you're under. My over. 
Okay. Very good. But it's 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 <laughs> higher it's higher over this than Survivalist. I, I like Survivalist, and I, I like any of these movies that have again. I've said this multiple times. That sort of WTF factor, where like I don't know quite what word. The divide, Kelly Wand. No. Let's do it. So does does that mean that Chris Webb thinks that the divide and Z for Zachariah are equally tedious? Apparently he does. Oh, Chris Webb. Markinson's just glad it's not a mutant kid, children of the corn kind of movie. I would see that. (laughs) Would you? (laughs) It is for the monsters. Uh, Did you like the sign language in it? Yeah, I do. I love that. I mean, it's like it reminds you of like in Take Shelter. Uh, I, I love. Uh, I just love – it just really touches me, the interaction of parents with, with deaf children. I'm just such a sucker for that. It's a, it's a beautiful yeah, thing to watch a parent and a child do sign language with each other. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, right. And, and this, you know, this is my main problem with this movie is I wanted so much to like it, but my stupid horror predilection got in the way. But, yeah, I did well, love it. Do you think the movie cheats? Because Josh Lubliner was like he was kind of with the bear. He, he called it the buried effect. The, the idea that are we going to stay in the coffin the whole time, or are we going to escape from the coffin, or, or is are we going to be quiet the whole time, or are we going to cheat? I mean, are you okay with the with them voicing during the waterfall thing? That's that I'm okay with. But but again, that that makes me think. Okay, so we're going to have rules and we're going to honor them. We're only going to talk at the waterfall. And did the movie? I mean, yeah, the movie's full of cheats because it's not a rules-based creature feature, and even the Plus rules are introduced. Loud as hell. What'd you say? The gr- the gr- oh, Kelly one says the grain silo is too loud. Yeah, too loud. Turn it down on the grain silo. Where's the Turn volume control? The grain. <laughs> well, I I did wonder. I mean, just from a technical point of view, um, how does a deaf person know how much noise they're making? Yeah, yeah, Dingus, exactly. Right. And you know what? I bet I bet that's why – that's one of the things, and the movie didn't really explore this. Maybe you're just supposed to infer it. But that's one of the reasons they don't live by a river uh, is because she needs to learn to always be quiet no matter what. And it's something that she has to learn wow. from, from muscle memory uh, rather than from being able to hear if she's making noise. And that's the thing. It's like that's such a that's unique – That's a good call. That's a unique peril is you can't make noise, but she can't hear how much noise she's making. Right. And, and, and like – and. And so, and that's the same thing with like that's a unique peril than having a baby. So a baby could scream. You can't tell the right. baby not to scream. Like all of these unique perils, I didn't Our want them hand waved away. I wanted them to to affect the the cast, the the characters as as much as they were kind of making me dread them, and as much as they were affecting me. Uh, well, the kids teach. Good. The kids kind of making noise during the fireworks thing, so maybe it's a race against time to get the kid underground. But they didn't plan that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the kid is making a little bit of noise, but it's very courteous and not really <laughs> he's a, he's a very polite newborn. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. Out of my notes, he's the quietest, uh, quietest, ch- quietest infant I've ever uh, encountered. He deserves a, a, some kind of a special ribbon or award or something. Yeah. Fully, yeah, fully work ribbon. <laughs> Well, I've I've known kids that are you know eight nine years old that can't be taught to be quiet. So, uh, you know, even if you, I mean, kids don't see the future the way that adults do. So, you know, saying just that, ask space shuttle kid. Who's okay, what? Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> when Dingus when he says that, I was thinking I haven't even seen the movie. I was thinking of Asa Butterfield in that movie where he's born on Mars. Oh yeah, 
that wasn't on a space shuttle. That was on one. Kelly One. There's a movie where Asa Butterfield, the kid from Ender's Game, he's like the first person born on Mars, and then he comes to Earth, and everybody, I don't know, loves him. Or Dingus saw it. I knew better. Strange in a Strange Land. No. Ew. Is it like that? I don't know. That's more plot. But he has mystic powers. Does he have special powers, Dingus, in that movie, that Mars movie? No, his, his special power is that he's taller than everybody else, and he's never seen a horse before. It's a, ter- it's a really bad movie. They're terrible special relatable. powers. That's the worst special power ever. Yeah. I know lots of people with that special power except for the horse part. Wow. Well, always except for the horse part. There's this thing where, I mean, he's on this other planet, and, uh, you know, he's he's all tall and whatnot because of the different gravity. Gravity? Um, and he can, you know, he has access to all of, uh, you know, humans' uh, media. But when he but gets our gravity here, be worse. like, he sees a horse and he's like, what's that crazy thing? Like, uh, he, think of Barat. Uh, look at that chicken. Or no, that's not Barat. <laughs> no, but it is one of those characters. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Ali G. Ali G going, what's that chicken doing? What's Ali G. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So he uh, speaks Kelly English. One, yeah. Did you watch uh, that sci-fi series, The Expanse, where they have the the they I think they do CG to to distinguish people who are raised and live in outer space because their bones are longer and they have a different kind of morphology. Did you see that? Uh, uh I saw the poster for it and then didn't want to watch it because they all look like admirals, and I'm like, mm, this isn't the future I'm interested in. Uh, you basically have the right idea. There's a couple of different elements to it. Seemed a little uh, too uh, austere. It's. Yeah. I, I would have thought you austere. you were the kind of person who loved those books and uh, what? Yeah, totally. Right. Interesting. There's you books. haven't. Yeah, you haven't read the Expanse trilogy or whatever it's called. No. All right. But usually Sorry. books. I mean, I read books and then I don't watch shows because the books are usually more interesting. Uh, this show has uh, Jared. By the way, Jared Harris is my new favorite. That's really why I watch the Quiet Ones, uh, based on the Terror, the TV show for the Terror, which you should like. Yeah, I love that. You should definitely see that. Um, but uh, Jared Harris and Sh- break up with it. Pardon? I thought you were starting to break up with it. Nope. Like you watched a nope. Recent one. I'm like, totally oh. with it. I, uh, it. It's really. I mean, I don't. The book is dumb, and the the series does as well as it can with the book. But mainly Jared Harris. I just love that guy so much, uh, and he's a lot of fun in the Expanse. Um, he should be in all movies, I'm deciding. He and Taylor Kitsch need to do a buddy movie, and then I c- I'll be in heaven. It's always dudes with you. You love dudes. <laughs> it's always dudes with you. Emily Blunt Some can be in it, too. I could have em- Emily Blunt. Wait, Jared Harris is like a new sexy dude? I don't know. You had your Paul Walker phase. You had your... Uh, that was no phase, Kelly Wand. Channing Tatum. I never had a Channing Tatum face. How dare you? That's dingus. You saw Magic Mike opening day, first show. <laughs> excitedly is, like, whoa. Something to Taylor Kitsch page right now. I know, which is almost the worst. Awesome. So you guys great. will be here too as soon as you see enough. If you see the Taylor Kitsch that I've seen, you would be there too. It's true. I'm waiting for the Worthington epiphany. Very excited. <laughs> And the Have you read those novels, Kelly Wand? <laughs> They're by Robert Ludlum. <laughs> Are those really novels? Is that the right word? <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, it looks like point. I think Thanks Dingus. For the movie. Yeah, um, Dingus made me appreciate it a little bit more. I made Kelly Wand appreciate it a little bit less. Yeah, and Kelly Wand is just even more confused. Yeah, so perfect. Mission accomplished. Uh, I'm going to go tweet that. Trump analogy thing. I don't understand that, Kelly Wand. I didn't. What? what, 
yeah, can you can you elaborate for us? What is I think it was something to do with oh, see, you're not allowed to talk, but if you but you should talk and you should get involved in things and fight back, and that's what John Krasinski did. And I'm like, so wait. So who who so says who, this? Is this like a is this just like the sort of thing where right wingers appropriate Dark Knight? Uh, who who is saying oh, this? what? I think it was yeah. Libs, because they're just that. desperate for analogies. Oh, yeah, Dark Knight was appropriated as something about, uh, like, like I, I think, a was it? condoning surveillance. Uh, what? I, the second you one? Know what, I, it really, if you're, if you're a right-winger, you're just going to have to grasp for any entertainment medium that supports your points, because there's really nothing out there, and the stuff that is out there is crap. Roseanne. Oh, God, I haven't seen that. I, kinda want I haven't either. You kind of want to see that? Just because did, it is. Being... Did you ever watch any of the original series? No, 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 no. I didn't. But uh, well, Laurie Metcalf thing. I don't know if you're familiar with her no. work, Lady Bird. But, no, but her, I, I don't her for that. one thing, but mainly because it's just it's such a kind of a cultural phenomenon right now. Uh, I'm just really. Uh, that's a good point. So I don't mm. want to see it, but I feel like I should. Cultural but, phenomena. Tom can't say no to those. Well, first I have to finish watching the rest of Taylor Kitsch's movies, and then uh-huh. I'll get to Roseanne. <laughs> Priorities. Hmm. John Carter, check. Battleship, check. <laughs> Done. Uh, what should we see next week? Should we see a horror movie or a dopey a dopey horror movie or a dopey comedy? Um. Okay, I'm gonna flip a coin. The... All right. Yeah. I have here a penny. Here? Smoke some pot. Uh, you should choose a quarter from 1972. 1982. Oh my God! A Ready Player One reference. Dingus. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. Okay, so on what? heads, we're gonna see huh? we're gonna see ghost stories. <laughs> on tails, we're gonna see blockers. All right, you guys ready for this? I'm flipping it. Heads. What did I say? What's heads? Ghost. <laughs> no. I forgot what I said. I wasn't listening. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Start all over. <laughs> I think I said heads, ghost blocker, ghost ghost, ghost blockers. blockers, tails ghost blockers. blockers. Did I say that right? Ghost blockers. Right in if I screwed it up, but I think that uh, the random uh, number generator penny says ghost stories, which is uh, out next week. Uh, Wait, is it stories or story? No. <laughs> Dinkus, you watch Ghost Story and watch Runa Mari take 20 minutes to eat pie. Kelly Wand and I are going to see Ghost Stories, which is a Runa horror. Mari. Runa Mari. Rooney, I, I get the first letters mixed up, but never the vowels. But Tom has issues with vowels. Hey, vowels are too complicated. Do you ever mix her up with Kate Mara? Ugh, I, I wish I had those problems. <laughs> uh, after, um, what was uh, Dingus? I, I hate movies I that are Kate just Mara named after. Kate Mara Adams. There's, there's yeah, movies just named after a person. This is one of them. What's the thing where Anya Taylor-Joy is kept in a bunker because uh, she's like super powerful and Kate Mara comes to visit her? Split. No, it was Ridley Scott's son. What was that movie called? It was called something uh, like Nana. Morgan. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You didn't uh, hate that. No, no, I loved that. I loved that. That was great. He's in three and, movies. And that's that's what that's the movie that that set straight for me. Um, Kate Mara from Rooney, Mara, Mar, Mar, uh, whatever the other. Yeah, Magdalene Martha. <laughs> uh, anyway, Kate Mara. If you watch Morgan Kelly Wand, you won't mistake your Kate Mara anymore. Mistaker. Yeah. She's also in right. Thoroughbreds, Kelly, by the way. <laughs> Olivia Cook is? Olivia Cook and Anya Taylor Joy are. Anya yeah. Taylor Joy, yeah. Kate Mara should be in it, too. Yeah, no, Olivia Cook also, I, I want to see uh, all of the Olivia Cook movies now. 
can't believe it. She's British. I feel betrayed. Like, is that her real birthmark? Or is that a different actress? <laughs> wow. Oh, you're right. That's her. Cover that up with makeup, man. All right, so ghost stories according to the coin, unless I need to rewind the tape. I'm pretty sure I said head German hail blockers. Can um, we even see it? Is it in theaters or is it uh, is it a um, uh, what do they call it when you buy something online and you can get it off of the, uh, Amazon? It opens on April 20th here. Uh, I don't know if it's streaming. It's also opening in Germany. Uh, streaming. Uh, oh! Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that Kelly Wan can see it, and that's our main limitation. But so in some language. Out. Uh, and listeners, you guys can see it too. If you do, send your thoughts to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Uh, VOD. Why couldn't I think of VOD? VOD. Right, yeah. Video on demand. That's my favorite uh, Dennis Quaid novel. <laughs> what? Uh, if you do see blockers, let us know about that. Did, did this penny here make the right call? Should we have seen blockers instead of ghost stories? Uh, join us for ghost stories next week. Also, if you can think of a person, living or dead... With whom you would like to watch a movie. <laughs> but that's Kelly Wan's next 3x3. Three three. Send us the three people you want to watch movies with. Kelly Wan, did I get it? Did I get that right? I guess. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> to yourself. Send your 3x3 yeah. picks to, or send your 3x3 three three picks to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Uh, make sure you get those to us before uh, midnight, April 29th. And if you see ghost stories, uh, let us know what you thought before midnight, April 22nd. Uh, Leave your comments on the air. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Murlowski. It's Christian Murlowski. And the inestimable Kelly Wand. Tom, I'm really looking forward to your Taylor Lautner phase. Let me know when that starts. So I can put some notes on my whiteboard. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregon Six. Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Dingus, men are like plywood. They're good in sheets, but easily warped. Mm. Dingus, you're my foam follower. Small sounds safe, big sounds not safe. Red means stop, yellow means slow. <laughs>